we've got a simple belief, and this has really proven out to be true over the years in terms of our strategic secret sauce. Take care of the people, and they will take care of the customer. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey everyone, it's The Wolf. Today on the show, we have Brian Scudamore. Brian is a legend and is known as the king of junk. He's the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, which has now evolved into O2E Brands, a holding company that, in addition to 1-800-GOT-JUNK, owns Wow One Day Painting and Shack Shine. They do north of 600 million in revenue globally and are on pace to hit a billion in the next five to 10 years. Brian's a wealth of knowledge and had an amazing journey and dropped out of college to start this business. I think you're going to love our conversation. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by The Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek, and Wolfpack franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. You obviously have a ton of experience. I'd love to dive into like 1-800-GOT-JUNK and then more broadly, O2E brands. But um, I know 1-800 didn't get, you know, got started back in the late 80s. So can you kind of just, explain how that began and how you got into that world? Mm -hmm, of course. Yeah, well, I was in a McDonald's drive through of all places. I was looking for a way to pay for college. All my friends were on their way to college. I didn't actually graduate from high school. I was a course short, so I had to talk my way in and my parents weren't going to give me any money for college. So I'm in this McDonald's drive, drive through. I see a beat up old pickup in front of me with plywood sides it's filled with junk. And I'm like, that's my ticket my ticket to pay for school, not a ticket to go build a business that was going to become 1-800-GOT-JUNK as it is today, but it was really just to pay for my tuition. And so it did that very quickly. And ironically, I was learning way more about business, running a business than I was studying in school. So I made a tough decision to drop out. My dad's a liver transplant surgeon. He's done more schooling than most people uh, could ever imagine. And I said, Dad, I'm leaving school. I got a year left. No more college. I'm going to learn on the streets and I'm going to figure out this business and grow it. And he thought it was a terrible idea, but he's certainly <laughs> on side today. Yeah, no, I love that. All right. Well, uh, for people who are listening to this and maybe don't know, can you just give like a brief explanation of, of what 1-800-GOT-JUNK is? Yeah. So the first baby of uh, brands, of our O2E brands umbrella, it's been 34 years and it's hauling junk. The model has not changed a ton over the years. It's taking junk from someone's home or their business and hauling it off to be recycled, disposed of as a last resort. But somebody renovates, they spring clean, they got a garage filled with junk, whatever it might be, we haul it away and dispose of it for them. Beautiful. Okay, yeah. So just doing the dirty work uh, effectively and taking care of people's stuff. Dirty work that no one really enjoys. Exactly. And a lot yeah. of people don't have trucks. And yeah. we've got 2,500 trucks across North America. And it's one of those things where we've expanded throughout Canada, the United States, Australia. And it went so well over a couple of decades that we expanded into a couple of other 
businesses, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, right off the bat, though, and this is a common thing, you know, when people are talking about business theory, it's that, you know, a business like this, I doubt there's anything like super proprietary, right, from like a product or technology perspective, but you've clearly grown the brand to be very successful. So there's got to be something you're doing different and doing right that others aren't. And like, if there's a moat, people love using that word. Do you guys have a moat that separates you? You know, I think what it is, is it's our execution on finding the right people. So my hat I'm wearing today says it's all about people, which to me, it's about finding the right people and treating them right. In 1994, five years into the business, I fired my entire company of 11 people because I didn't have the right people. And I said to them, you know, guys, I'm sorry, but I've let you down. I didn't give you the love and support you needed, the guidance. I didn't believe in you. You didn't believe in me. And I'm going to start again. And I learned that valuable lesson. It's all about people. And so what we do differently than other brands, not just in junk removal, we're really, really careful. We take our time finding the right people as both franchise owners and as people that are working out in the trucks across any of our O2E brands. And so we've got a simple belief, and this has really proven out to be true over the years in terms of our strategic secret sauce, take care of the people and they will take care of the customer. If you take care of the customer, the customer will then take care of the growth of your profits, your opportunity, your reputation. And so too many businesses, I think, get it wrong. They put everything in place for the customer or for profits, and they don't really think of their people. How do you take care of your people so that they're showing up with a smile each and every day when they're running the business and executing? That's something I think we've really gotten right. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And I hear what you're saying on the downstream effect of that. If you get it right with your people, it definitely can create like a positive feedback loop. Many yeah. franchisors, they'll take someone. If you've got the money, if you've got oh, the yeah. experience, we only take people if they have the attitude. If they have the attitude and the wherewithal to live up to our values of passion, integrity, professionalism, and empathy, are they going to execute in the same exceptional way that we believe it? Our parent company, O2E, stands for Ordinary to Exceptional. We're taking ordinary businesses like junk removal with 1-800-GOT-JUNK. We make it exceptional through customer experience. And you can't deliver an expect exceptional experience without people that really understand what it takes to deliver that experience. It's just junk removal. Does anyone care? Yeah, they do. They care about the brand. They care that someone, they having people in their house or their garage that they trust, that are clean cut, that are professional, that show up on time, that show up in clean, shiny trucks where you think, do I care that the truck is clean and shiny? Well, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Those little things turn out to be big things that really matter. Completely agree. I love the attention to detail. And it sounds like you basically started over in 1994 if you fired your whole company. I mean, what was that like? Uh, did it take a few years to recover from that? I mean, what was that experience like? It sounds pretty yeah. tough. It was a painful time in my life. You know, you can imagine you go from five trucks, half a million in revenue, you wipe out everybody and start again. A, it was a big leadership reset for me to go, why did I fail? Why wasn't I finding the right people? Or why wasn't I able to lead them to the next level in the business? And so wiping that team out and starting again, it was a big reset. I figure it probably took me six months to rebuild the business and start to hire people differently. And what I did differently was a simple thing. 
Today, we call it the beer and barbecue test. When we hire people in our team, we ask ourselves, would we have a beer with them? Would we go for a cup of coffee with them? Do we find them interesting and interested? Are they good people that just get that this is beyond just a job? This is something that we want to grow and build to be a really special business. We happen to be a $600 million business with 1-800-GOT-JUNK. It won't be long before we get to a billion. You don't do that without phenomenal people. So starting again, while it was a massive failure of mine, it helped me realize what does it take to find the right people? Beer test and then the barbecue test is how would they fit in within the whole company? Does our company have just a good vibe that they add to? Do they add a level of skill, unique character traits? Do they make things better? And I think all too often companies, and I've done it before as well, as you you hire based on skill. We don't do it that way anymore. We hire on attitude, train on skill, and the jobs that require high-level skills like our CFO, we make sure that they've got the skill plus the attitude to go along with it. Sure. Now, um, I love the beer and barbecue test, and I'd love to know maybe more about it. how do you filter for that, and I want to run something by you. So I, this is gonna this will be my third podcast season that this episode goes on. In season one, I had, his name is Jamie Weeks, he owns 140 Orange Theories and a bunch of other franchises. But so big organization, not, not as big as 1-800-GOT-JUMP, but his three interview questions that he starts off for any hire, because he's very big on people and culture as well. It's what was the first concert you ever went to? What was your first car? And if you could only watch one movie for the rest of your life, what would it be? And he think that's like his starting point to just get a sense of who the person is. So do you guys do anything similar to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Jamie sounds like a smart guy for sure. <laughs> I think what he's doing there is he's asking a question that it's less about the answer, I'm guessing, and more about does it start a general connection? Yes. Because if you tell me about the first concert you go to, and then I'm like, well, I went to that concert too, or I love that band, or I hate that band, whatever it is, you get a little discussion, a little banter going, you connect with somebody more in a way that you would over a beer, because that's a total beer question. You know, you <laughs> exactly. know somebody versus saying, tell me about a time that you had an employee that you didn't get along with. It's just not reality in an interview. People know how to answer interview questions, but you can't fake those questions that are around what you're interested in, what you find interesting. And if you find a common connection with someone and go, yeah, I don't care what movie they really like. I care that they really love movies. I care that they're really excited when they go to concerts. And so when one of our values is passion, we want to see somebody show up every single day at O2E Brands with passion. And it starts with knowing that they're passionate people that are interested in things. And so, again, back to Jamie's questions. I think those are great ones and it's yeah. a great way to start a connection. I agree. I thought it was pretty funny. And you're probably the most people-focused person that I've had on, I think, since him. Um, so a lot of similarities there. But going back to 1-800, so it's obviously massive today. You said $600 million in revenue globally. I know O2E has two other brands. I've learned that at a certain point, every founder has to kind of make a decision when their business does become really successful, which is, you know, do I sell? Because inevitably acquisition offers come in. Do I hold it and grow it? And clearly you've chosen more of the latter to, and even expanding beyond into other brands. So I guess at, at what point did you make that decision that 
I'm not going to sell this franchise and, you know, reap whatever financial rewards that would have given you. I don't know when I actually made the decision, but I think of what drives me is watching things grow. I love watching people grow. I love watching someone who starts in our call center, who ends up becoming an owner of one of our franchises and he's worked his way up. I just love seeing everything grow. It isn't about watching the profits grow as much as it is the people side of the business, the brand, the reputation. I love the fact that I go to visit different cities all the time and I'm like, hey, there's a 1-800-GOT-JUNK truck. Oh, there's a Shackshine van. So selling off what has become a bit of a baby of mine to another company, a private equity player who comes in and goes, oh, we can make this even bigger. I want to make it bigger. I want us to make our people bigger. I don't want to give control to someone else because I'm not motivated by the money side. Yes, the money side's important. No one becomes a franchise owner in our business without wanting to make money and make a good living, but there's more to it than that. So I think it's just always been a philosophy. I remember with 1-800-GOT-JUNK years and years ago, the early 2000s, I was taken out on a boat to a fancy fishing resort and waste management, biggest you know garbage hauler in the world, wanted to buy the business. That's Wayne, uh, Wayne Huizinga, right? Uh, Wayne Huizinga was Republic. Oh, okay. He okay. started, so he actually started waste management, sold it off, ended up going into Republic. But waste management, big consolidation effort that Wayne actually led, you're right, is they wanted to get into the junk removal business. We were probably, you know, eating out of their uh, pockets a little bit. And they said, hey, we can help you. We can grow it bigger than you can. And they said, you know, we'd love to buy you. We're talking 75 to $100 million. And we were small then. And that was a lot of money. And I said to them, you could offer me a billion dollars. And that wouldn't get my interest because I'm just having too much fun with building an industry in a space that nobody's done. We got to pioneer the junk removal space. It was always a fragmented mom and pop type business. And so there we were on a boat away from shore couple of garbage execs. I thought, oh no, here I am saying no to these guys. Uh, am I ever going to make it back home? Obviously I did, but um, I'm too passionate about it. And, and that's why we got into other brands. We got into Wow One Day Painting, which is taking the painting industry, similar to where junk was, fragmented mom and pop. We come in with a set of systems and processes that can help people scale their own business quite quickly. And we're painting people's homes in a day. The painting business has existed forever, but we're doing it differently. Why have the disruption of having someone come into your home for a week or two weeks to paint the whole house and go room to room to room? Why not get the whole thing done while you're out enjoying a day at the beach? And so it's been an incredible business for us. And, and that's got bigger potential even than 1-800-GOT-JUNK because the painting world is just a much bigger space. So it's fun when you get to kind of repeat your success and go into another related yet different home service industry. I love that. And how do you think about, right? You had a win, you had a big win with 1-800-GOT-JUNK. You clearly never wanted to sell it, probably never will. But when you're evaluating the landscape of potential, right, next industries to go into, I heard you, you know, paintings fragmented, a lot of opportunity. But, you know, like, why not, I don't know, lawn mowing or power washing or all a lot of home improvement, home services types industries that might have some of those characteristics as well. Yeah. Well, funny you should say power washing because that was our third brand, Shackshine. <laughs> okay. So Shackshine is windows, gutters, power washing. 
and Christmas lights. So we've basically taken a home and we've said Shack Shine will have that home love Shack Shine. Your home will love you because you've taken care of everything that makes it twinkle, sparkle, and glow. And so it's another fragmented space that needed some brand love. It needed professionalization. It was a fragmented space. Lawn care, I think lawn care is a tricky one. We've certainly looked at it. Someone will be able to do it, I'm sure. We haven't entered into that space because there's been a level of people expect a college kid to come by and cut their lawn for 20 bucks. You know, like there hasn't been enough money in it to turn it for us to turn it into a professionalized workforce with uniforms, with all these things that cost money. Yeah. People don't seem to care about in the same way as just, ah, I've got a guy, I got a gal, they'll come by and do my, my lawn every couple of weeks. And sometimes they don't show, but no big deal. So it isn't an industry we've gone after yet, but I think it's looking at the size of the industry is always important. As I mentioned, wow, one day painting should be one day bigger than 1-800-GOT-JUNK, which is exciting because it's the second baby in the family and it'll one day be bigger. Same with Shackshine. As a customer, I spend more money on Shackshine than I do on the other two services combined because I need my lights done every year, my gutters done once or twice, my windows done once or twice, my deck power washed. There's a whole suite of services which has made Shackshine incredibly attractive for us. And I'm curious to learn more about like the now the ecosystem of brands, right? So you have one eight hundred got junk, which the first one and the most developed at the moment as far as like franchisees operating across the country. You know, if I was to buy a Shackshine franchise or a one day painting franchise, is there any ways that those brands are being leveraged where maybe the one eight hundred got junk franchisee in my market is somehow also you know, because I'm thinking of this from like a customer acquisition perspective, can they somehow refer the business to me if they're taking junk out of a home and say, hey, by the way, if you need your house painted in a few days, you know, we also have this other option. Yeah, there's a lot of organic overlap. There's a lot of franchise partners you can take. The Chicago franchise for 1-800-GOT-JUNK, will they refer out to Wow One Day and Shackshine? It's all about building relationships, building relationships with your neighboring franchise owners. I'd say the biggest impact for us is if we find the right people in every market and they work incredibly hard and they build up their marketing and so on, when we find exceptional people in every market across the brands, it just works like magic. Every owner wants to refer another service to another franchise owner in the family. One thing we don't do though, and we've made this mistake before and we've certainly learned, is we don't take someone and go, hey, start a 1-800-GOT-JUNK franchise, then go start a WOW one day, then go start a Shack Shine requires different employees. It's different training. And what we found before is if we try and combine the two together, people will trade employees back and forth. It's confusing. It just doesn't work. And we believe, stay focused, do one thing incredibly, incredibly well. We'd much rather see someone own three of the same franchise brand than one of each. So you take Paul Guy, our Toronto franchise partner, our first franchise in the family, and Paul owns $100 million worth of revenue with us across 1-800-GOT-JUNK because he started in Australia. He's acquired franchises in New York State, in Charlotte, all over the place. And so what he said is, I'm the king of execution on 1-800-GOT-JUNK, on the recipe, on the formula. I'm going to then get out there and execute with excellence in the same brand. That's smart. That works. And we'll do that all day long with the right franchise owners. So I hear you on 
kind of cross pollinating between brands at the franchisee level. I could see why that's uh, that doesn't necessarily work. Did you say a hundred million though for that one eight hundred got junk owner? Yeah, Paul Guy, hundred million in revenue. He's got franchises where he just he continues to swallow up franchises that might be underperforming or someone wants out of the business because they've done it for 15 years and it's time for a change. And he's got an incredible or his team have an incredible track record of going into a market and taking something like Nashville, which was an underperformer, and then within the first year doubling it. So it's you end up understanding what it takes to run and operate a great 1-800-GOT-JUNK franchise. You find one that might not be doing as well or someone that wants to exit great opportunity to to grow that. Uh, and we've actually got two franchise owners that are doing about 100 million in revenue. We've got Tyler and Josh in Kansas City, who have also gone on the same spree of buying some rural markets like Reno, Nevada, a suburb of Indianapolis, like these guys are getting out there and also doing what they learned from Paul. And it works. So it again, further sort of doubles down on our strategy of don't cross pollinate but have people just continue to grow within the family with that one brand. It's amazing. And, you know, like back to my Jamie Weeks comparison earlier, you know, he owns, like I said, 140 plus Orange Theories. And I see that a lot from all the different franchisees I talk to that it's not very common. But if I meet a massive franchisee, 99 out of 100 times, it's a brick and mortar brand that is achieving that kind of revenue scale. This is the first time I've heard of a, you know, what I characterize more as like a service franchise, right? There's no brick and mortar required, right? It's not a restaurant or a gym or anything. Right. I mean, operationally, and you know, the knock on service franchises is, hey, they're great for cash flow, too hard to scale, because you need more, if you're gonna try to drive more revenue, you need to hire more people, and that's gonna bottleneck you at some point. So I've never heard of someone doing 100 million. I mean. Do you have like a pushback to kind of that general premise of like it it is because clearly there's franchisees in your system that are proving it is very scalable? Mm -hmm. I think any franchise, any service based franchise, whether it's a home service or a restaurant quick service, those things are all scalable, but it's not easy to scale. You have to have the right franchise or partner. You also have to have someone who's proven themselves with the first location, the second, the third. They build momentum. You know, the way I look at it is I remember years ago, I was in something called the Young Presidents Organization, YPO, and I was about 26 years old, and there were all these billion-dollar organizations a part of YPO, and I used to ask all these billion-dollar entrepreneurs and presidents, what's the hardest stage of growth? And people would say the same thing to me, without exception. A million-dollar revenue-based business is much, much harder than a billion-dollar business, which blew my mind. A million is the hardest, and then it gets a little bit easier at 10 million and a little bit easier at 100 and then a lot easier at a billion because you have systems, you have processes, you know the predictability of your business model. At a million dollars in revenue, you're trying to figure out, like, who is my ideal truck team member? How do I get to profitability? What is my pricing like? What? How do I train people? There's things you figure out that you need to learn and master. Once you figure those out, at each level, you can scale. So I would say the same thing in our business. Someone who's running one franchise, it can be it's the hardest part of entering into uh, the O2E brand's family. When you start to get to two, three, four, you can build some momentum and it does get easier because you have a team of people in place 
and you get to focus as the entrepreneur on doing what you do best and what you love most. Gotcha. Now, yeah, I mean, I guess kind of sounds like you got to get to a point where you can remove yourself from working in the business, right? And then eventually you're more working on it and, and able to focus on those growth levers. Yeah. And you've probably heard of the E-Myth Revisited, Michael Gerber's book. Yep. Michael's a friend and he's been into our business. And I remember him coming in. He goes, man, Brian, nobody's E-Mythed their business like you guys have. And all we did was made the process of scaling from one franchise to something bigger easy. If we look at one franchise, so someone gets into 1-800-GOT-JUNK and they start with a couple of trucks, you've got to scale and grow to three trucks, four, five, 20. I just saw a franchise the other day we were in, in Washington, DC that had 20 trucks. So scalability is something important in a business. It's not easy. You need to learn it and then you need to master it. And the faster and the bigger you can scale, the more exciting I think it gets. 100%. Yeah. That's super cool to hear just of the successes you've had in your system. So when you look at O2E, what are your plans longer term? And maybe you want to keep it confidential, which I totally understand. But just you're kind of starting to dominate the home at this point between junk removal, painting, and then uh, what Shackshine's doing, which is like all the exterior type stuff. You know, do you have a longer term vision for other industries that you're really interested in or, or just, you know, O2E as a whole and what else, you know, is there any other expansion plans there? Yeah, you know, we always look and we've got to be ready for the fourth brand. And I don't think we are today, but it's finding what is that next ordinary business that has exceptional potential that can be scaled, that can is fragmented, that we could put the right people in our processes in place to scale and grow it quickly. Would love for us to have more brands, because that means more people making money, building lives, changing people's lives with their employees and providing opportunity. So I love what I do so much that there's no price tag that would take me out of doing this. And we believe in building something much bigger and better together. If I look at Eric Church, who's our president, who's been around 11 amazing years, and hopefully at least 11 more, I mean, we have fun together. And we take very seriously the opportunity to help change lives. And it's important work. And so as long as it continues to be important and valuable, impactful, as long as we're having fun, we're in this business. And when you started One Day Painting and Shackshine, were those originally acquisitions or did you guys start the brands from scratch yourselves? Yeah, so we bought, uh, Wow One Day Painting was a company where I was looking to get my home painted and wasn't looking to buy the business by any means, was just looking to get my house painted. And I had three estimates, and the first two people showed up, cigarettes hanging out of their mouth, they showed up late. They were what I expected in that industry, frankly. The third person shows up, Jim, and Jim goes, listen, same prices, same quality, I've done this for 22 years, but my kicker is I get your house painted in a day. I didn't even think that was possible. And he said, it's possible, and he did it, and I came home, moldings, trim, floor to ceiling, the entire house. Not a room was missed. Everything was immaculate. And I said, wow, how did you do this? And the word out of my mouth, as I just said, was wow. So we looked at buying his company. We partnered at first, bought him out, and we rebranded the business, wow, one day painting. Because that's the feeling that a customer gets when they come home to open the door for the first time and go, wow. And all it was was it's funny because I was like, how does he do this? It's not possible. And painters are the critiques in our world that say it can't be done. We all know one person can paint one small room in a day. 
two people can paint one big room in a day. You just put the right number of people in the right rooms. They don't even bump into each other. They're in separate rooms. Yeah, it's a numbers game. It's having enough people. And, and so many people go, oh, service-based business, you need employees. You know what? That's something we figured out. And when we get people who want employees, who like the fun and the excitement of working with people, it's an opportunity for them to build some pretty awesome businesses. That's great. And I know we got to wrap up here in a sec. So I want to ask, you know, just strategically, as you look at O2E brands, was there ever a point where you thought, should I be a house of brands, which you are, right? You have three separate brands versus maybe somehow, and I don't know how you would have done it, given that the first one is 1-800-GOT-JUNK. That's mm-hmm. kind of tough to say, oh, we also do painting as 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Right. But you know, was there ever that conversation to unify them all? Yeah, lots of conversations around it. And I think where we landed was focus is important. When you build a brand, it's figuring out what you stand for and what you don't stand for and not trying to be all things to all people. So it wasn't like we wanted this one brand that would do anything in the home. There's very few companies that have ever really done that. I mean, Amazon, great. Amazon started with books. They were known for being books. And now that you can just get anything on Amazon, you can get your toilet paper, you can get your oat milk, whatever. It's changed. And they figured out a way to do that. That wasn't our intention. Our intention was to build exceptional businesses, one industry at a time, really own it and be the dominant market leader. So as we talked about, we'll find the fourth business at some point. Don't know what it is yet. We'll find the fifth. But to us, it's about finding the right people to lead those businesses. Because here I am talking to you about focus. We're in three businesses. (laughs) We are focused on three businesses but they each have a president, a managing director running them. They're responsible for the P&L. They're responsible for all the people. It's sort of the Warren Buffett strategy where you can have Berkshire Hathaway own a whole bunch of different spaces, but you have a president that you've entrusted and empowered to really build that company and brand. Fantastic. Now, I mean, look, clearly you're doing it right. I mean, all the brands have grown and and seem to have fantastic track records. So congrats on all the success. And um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Is there anywhere online where if people want to, they can follow along or that you'd have a resource for them to check out? Yeah, I think if you put Brian Scudamore into Google, you'll find what you're looking for. But uh, we've written a couple of books, BYOB, Build Your Own Business, Be Your Own Boss, which is a great evaluation of the two different options of starting from scratch or starting with a franchise social media. You can go to brianscudamore.com and find most of what you're looking for as well. But we love finding great people and help putting them into uh, awesome opportunities. And the more we can do that, the better for everyone. Amazing. And yeah, we'll plug some of those resources in the show notes, folks. But yeah, thanks a lot for coming on, Brian. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen.